0: Welcome to this KGNW broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. Well, this is Heart of the City.
1: I'm Chuck Olmstead, the director of local ministry development here at KGNW. If you were listening last week, you had, you had the opportunity to hear our guests, Natalie and Daniel Harrington of Ellipsis International, and uh, they're joining us again today as yes, they're sir. continuing their story about Ellipsis International, but mostly about how God had called them into ministry into the Philippines. And, and we, we need to kind of do a reset here. So mm-hmm. share with us a little bit. You, you uh, grew up in Mississippi uh uh both had this call to to ministry in foreign yep. countries and uh then um ended up in the Philippines correct i did right and uh uh as as we were talking last week uh you had gotten married what year 2015 15 yeah. may may of 2015 16th i remember <laughs> <laughs> good man <laughs> always always remember that always. my friend always remember that and uh so you had been there in the Philippines for about how long a- after you'd gotten married? You'd, 6 weeks. 6 weeks. And so and so um uh during that time uh as you're you're developing your house and getting involved with just getting life set up, you had a major accident. Yeah. So let's start right there okay. and, and tell us a little bit about that.
2: So we had the accident on on a moped um and it, it it was a, it was a holiday it was like a 4 day weekend so we were super excited um we were driving into the city to get s- some lunch at this new place and um we were on the inside lane and another guy in an SUV was on his inside lane and um you know they say that most accidents happen like really close to your house um and we had just pulled out of our uh, subdivision got going and the guy i guess didn't didn't one to wait you know and he he turned left and we didn't have time to stop and we collided with him head on and um, that put us in the hospital for five days and um, then we went to Manila and did therapy for uh, like two and a half or three weeks um, because we couldn't fly you know medical stuff, and, all right. that stuff. Um, and then so we find ourselves back at home on our parents couch um, in Mississippi in Mississippi um, sweating uh, I think it was it was it was during uh uh the winter no the summer August August yeah so it was August, it was August hot. in Mississippi August in Mississippi <laughs> um so we were we were just kind of left like okay god what are we what are we going to do you know we we had decided um and and kind of resolved in our heart this is what we were going to do for the next 5 or 10 years and um getting our house set up and um you know he obviously had had different uh, different plans for yeah,
1: us. yeah yeah and at that time when you were in Manila uh, Natalie you uh, you were working for an, a different organization right you were working in ministry for uh, for another organization after this accident happened correct mm-hmm. right and so came back home to recoup and how long did that recovery process happen take mm.
3: well if the accident happened in August um We had immediate surgeries, and then Daniel found another, you know, issue, I guess, with his ankle and had to have another surgery in December, so we were doing therapy up until December, Wow! and um, so we didn't get back to the Philippines for, like, almost eight months, eight or nine months that we kind of were just out of the picture, Um, and that was very difficult, you know, leaving the ministry that... That we started, we were affiliated with a different organization mm-hmm. just to kind of help us get started. I
1: see. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. So you had mentioned last week that you were sitting here in Seattle when the Lord started to to
2: encourage you as yep. far
1: as Ellipsis International. Mm-hmm. So we tell were, us ab- tell us
2: about that. Absolutely. We were sitting over, like I said last week, in uh, Pike's Place, um, just just chatting, eating. Um, and dreaming, and, and we kind of both looked at each other and said, "Okay, is, is this the time that God is calling us to start this?" You know, we thought that maybe it would come in our in our mid thirties. I don't know. I'm just doing math here, but mm-hmm. um, we kind of were both like, I, th- "I think I think this is the reason," you know. Um, and so, throughout maybe the next month, two months, um, we talked, kept talking about it, kept praying about it. Um, and then when we finally decided, to, like, okay, we're going to start the process of this, um, we knew that in order to get the 501c3, it could take six months, a year, a long time. Um, so we kind of delayed it. I, don't, I really don't know how we delayed it, but we did. And um, we started to think about the name. And we started to think about the heart behind what we do and, and um, what would take – what we do, and, and sum it up in, in one word. And so we didn't argue about the name at all, ever. That's a joke. <laughs> we, um, we went back and forth, back and uh-huh, forth, uh-huh. Um, and we were all over the board. huh. And Natalie looks at me, and she goes, what is that thing in English that, what's it called when you, you, a, a story or a sentence or a thought isn't finished? And I'm like, I don't know. I didn't listen those in three, English. Those three dots, right? <laughs> yeah, the At three the end dots of a sentence. Um, and uh, we Googled it, uh-huh. like, because it's 2016, and so we Googled it, and uh, it, it was ellipsis. And the the idea behind an ellipsis is just that a thought or a, or an idea um, isn't finished. There's still more to the story or more to the to the sentence, and we we take that idea. When we look at the kids, and we say this kid is not just a street kid. There's something more to his story. This kid, um, or th- this, you know, these people aren't just in poverty. There's, there's, there's more. They're, they're people. You know, God loves them just as much as He loves me and and, and Natalie. Um, so we thought ellipsis was a very, and, and as soon as we we said it, we were both kind of like light bulb. There it is. Mm. Okay, let's go. Let's do this. So that's kind of how the name. Uh, Got started, or we came up with a name. Yeah, interesting.
1: So what, what does Ellipsis International do? What, what is the ministry?
3: Well, what we had before the accident was a um, drop-in center for street kids. We call it Streetlight. And so basically we adopted that into Ellipsis. And we are um, so we have kids that come every day to shower, eat, um, play, go to school, um and then we're almost finished building um, homes for them. That will be called the refuge and it's It's a rehabilitation site for kids that are on drugs or um even just addicted to the freedom of the street. Um, we just really believe that the kids need an oasis, a place to really rewire their mind to be a kid again and um, get back into school and change the cycle that they're on. Um, and the path that they're on towards being on the street for life.
1: Mm-hmm. And how old are these kids?
3: You know, a lot of people ask that, and um, they expect for us to give a, a, an exact answer, but we have a two-and-a-half-year-old, and we have 17-year-olds. Um, and it's just, they all have a different story and a different reason. Um, you know, the younger ones, it's, it, their story is more neglect, some of the older ones, it's either drugs or um, just they just don't want to go to school. Rebellion. They're just being rebellious, uh-huh. and they, they get away with it. So there's so much um, that goes on within what we do, yeah. um, and that's, that's what makes it difficult, and that's why when I first moved to the Philippines in that particular city, you know, there were so many ministries that I met with, and they said, oh, yeah, we used to, to help street kids but now we're this or now we're that because it's so difficult and so broad spectrum. Um, But that motivates me. Um, Someone needs to stick with it. And um, regardless of how difficult it gets, um, we've we've committed.
1: Yeah. You had mentioned the kind of the, uh, if you will, an addiction to the street. What do you mean by that? Mm -hmm. That's a good question.
3: You know, a kid, once they... Taste the the freedom, meaning there are no rules on the street um, because no matter how good discipline is for a kid um, and when your parents make you go to bed and brush your teeth, it's good for you. And But kids don't like it. So it's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. They All of a sudden, nobody's telling them what time to go to bed. So they'll go sit in the Internet cafe until 5 a.m. playing games and then sleep all day. And they just think that this is the life. And it's helping them understand, yes, that's fun, but you're ruining your future. And it's hard for to get a kid to understand that. Um but we're seeing success um through some of our kids who have, Okay, I'm not gonna do that anymore mm-hmm. and I'm gonna start going to school and they're they're growing, you know, so it's affecting them physically. Um, so other kids see, wow, you're getting taller and, you know, bigger than me and um you're you're better at sports because you're sleeping and eating. And so we're starting to see um, the younger kids look up to the older kids and think, well, maybe I should do something like what they're doing. And maybe I should, you know, maybe like the rules. Mm-hmm. You know?
1: It's interesting. I uh, had a meeting a couple of years ago with a, with a gentleman who um, ha- had been a heroin addict for almost 20 years wow. and was uh. on the streets. And he told me, and he had gotten clean, and he'd been off the streets for, I don't know, six, eight years or something like that. He said, what was so great about the streets was there was this high about what's going to happen next, and how can I find my next meal, and yep. where am I going to sleep tonight? And he said, it it was, he said, I missed that. He said, that's what was so exciting about the streets, and I missed that. I don't have that anymore. Yeah. Obviously... He re- recognized that it was dangerous to, yeah. to to continue to live that lifestyle and to be in that, but he said those were ex- exhilarating times for him personally i don't i can 't see that because mm-hmm. i've never yeah. experienced yeah. that i don 't want to experience that, but he
2: he saw that and knew it mm-hmm. you know yeah. I think one of the things that we want to try to do is is swoop in before the kids get to that point mm-hmm. um, it, because the the age that these kids are at. It, I mean, they're they're forming habits that are going to last a lifetime, and so we want to to before that starts, say, okay, you need some structure. You need um you, you need to you need to, uh, I mean, you're 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 seven. You don't need to stay out until three o'clock in the morning because you know my football coach he always used to say, uh, nothing good happens after twelve, mm-hmm. and that's I, I'm I'm that's pretty accurate, you know. It's true, that's... and so we tell them obviously in in their language. Nothing good happens after 12. Go to bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go to bed, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's why we're so excited about having these refuge homes so they c- they can completely get off the street, and we want to make it in an, o- an oasis that um, is going to m- make them want to be there and uh, experience a-, a real childhood, you know?
1: Tell me some stories. Tell me about some of the kids that you're mm-hmm. working with right now.
3: Um the i guess this is he's the one of the most common ones that comes to mind when people want to hear um his name is Tomio mm. and um he was 12 when i met him 12 or 13 and uh, um just you know street kids are pretty wild in the street not just with the things that you know that they experience but the things that they do it's just crazy sometimes and um Tomio was playing tag with his friends, running around the busy streets of this town that we're in, and um, gets hit by a taxi. And so I get a call on a Sunday night. Um, I think I'd been to a movie or something, and, you know, usually everything's fine on the weekends. But I got a call, and so I went to check on him, and he looked fine. I'm like, it's it doesn't seem that bad, you know. Maybe you're just being dramatic or whatever. So we bandaged him up and gave him some Advil and um he was fine well he was still walking on it limping a little Mm. honestly like a couple weeks went by and as the swelling went down I noticed oh my goodness like your leg is like not straight (laughs) it's
2: kind of an L I think that there's a (laughs) break yeah
3: um but I couldn't the day that it happened I couldn't get any information what exactly happened did you just kind of bump into the taxi or did he actually like I I didn't know looking back I should have just taken him to the hospital anyway um learned my lesson but uh you know so he went from a a life of the streets to being forced kind of like our accident being forced to kind of reevaluate some things and um he was the first child to live in our drop-in center and um you had a cast and he just thought that was the coolest thing and you know from then he's like I think I want to be a doctor and um that's kind of the the way that we encourage our kids not hey you need to follow the rules because they're good for you it's hey what do you want to be one day and in order to get there here's what you need to do.
1: do do some of these kids even have a vision for for the future yeah you know, I was in I was in Dominican Republic uh, a while back um, on a missions uh, mm-hmm. excursion, and one of the things that the leaders said was that so many of the kids in vill- in some of these poor villages
2: had no vision yep. or uh, thought about the future. That's yeah, that's so accurate. You know, Natalie tells a story a lot when she first asked the kids, um, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And they're like, "I don't I don't know. I just want to." just want to eat lunch and eat dinner somewhere tonight like i'm i'm not thinking that far ahead and i think one of our and they
1: may have no adults that are even challenging oh, well, yeah, for that
2: cuz the adults are still in the same boat they are cuz mm-hmm. it, cuz it, it's it's generations uh that, that just pass down that lifestyle and um we have what we haven't mentioned is we also work with the parents uh, we have a livelihood program we teach them how to make jewelry um, and and just try to teach them principles that um, will allow them to get out of that lifestyle and, and, and make their own living, because um, most of them are trash collectors or they'll park cars, um, and we want to teach them how to, how to do something else. How,
1: yeah. how does the gospel come in to all of this? So obviously you're mm-hmm. helping with some of the educational needs, some of the medical needs. What, mm-hmm. Where does the gospel fit in all this?
3: Every day. <laughs> Um, we, our teachers, all of our staff love the Lord and they don't let a child walk through the door without knowing that we love the Lord and we love them Mm -hmm. and, um, trying to help them see how it, it goes hand in hand. You know, we've noticed a lot of kids have heard about Jesus. Um, just, you'll have street evangelists and people coming and feeding them and telling them Jesus loves them, but we're trying to show, show that. Jesus is constant um, by not meeting a temporary need, but mm-hmm. being there long term. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, you know, we do Bible studies. Um, our teachers do devotions before every class. Yeah, it's very, it's it's everywhere all day.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. And we, like she said, we do Bible studies. And when I'm there, I lead I lead the Bible studies. Um, and in in the Filipino language, they have um, or they have a word. Would you say kuya? And Kuya means older brother or, or mentor or just somebody older, um, and we we try to place Kuyas um, uh, in in their life to to give them discipleship, and you know if they have a question um, about about Jesus or about just life stuff, you know they we we, we send them to them. They, they talk they talk with them, um, and just they we try to have people that do life with them. Um, so and that was honestly my favorite part of the day was when we got to sit down and and open the Bible and talk about um Moses and talk about um uh the the prophets and Jesus and and just all these stories they would have so many questions and um it was just really fun to 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 be able to be that for them um so that was my favorite part about it tell me another story another child another teenager um so there's a little boy uh just full of life just just biggest biggest smile um and when he came to us I'm talking about Jun um yeah um when he came to us um he was just he was just very dirty uh, very underweight how old was he when he got there
3: 11 11 but he looked like he was 8 yeah. really and and that's Tiny. the
2: story of a lot of a lot of kids mm-hmm. um, but so Jun, very very um just under underdeveloped um doesn't eat doesn't sleep um and uh he he gets to us and i think he was there for two mm-hmm. two years with us um and his granddad i believe said okay i'm going to take him in so he, his granddad lives in a different city um but for a while he was on the street because his parents neglected him or uh, yeah and um so um he gets there, um, where, two years, um, and then he disappears with his granddad um, for, gosh, six months. Comes back, has a full head of hair, has gained 15 pounds, mm. and he left with a very high voice. Came back, talking like this. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, literally, I looked at him and was like, June, June." Yeah. You know, yes. and... Um, he's in school now, uh, he eats, he sleeps, he, uh, he came to know the Lord while he was with us. And, um, you know, that's, it's just, just one of the, the, the many stories that, that we could honestly go on for a long time about. Well,
1: Sure. Well, uh, and the name of your organization, again, is Ellipsis International. If, if someone is listening to this program today and wants to partner with you in some mm-hmm. way, can, can they go to the Philippines and see? Do you organize trips for church groups?
3: Or- Absolutely. How, how does that work? We would love for people to come with us. Mm-hmm. It is so much fun. It's so encouraging. Like, you know, it, it'll change your life if mm-hmm. you see what we've seen. Um, and it's all on our website. You can contact us through that. Um, And you can partner with us there. It's ellipsisinternational.org, and that's E-L-L-I-P-S-I-S. And we are going to take several trips um, throughout the next few years, and um, surely there's something that um, you can go with us Mm -hmm. on. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, we've just got about three minutes left, and as I was um, uh, thinking about this, uh, Natalie, and I I was listening to you tell your story, and I was thinking about on last week's program you talked about as a 12-year-old girl thinking about adoption and how the Lord had placed that thought in your heart and you really didn't know what that meant but yet he had put it there it was a real thing now how many years later you're how old are you now 28 28 so 14 years later here's this reality of all of these
3: kids how does that feel? That's a, a loaded question. <laughs> I know. That's why I asked it. <laughs> People ask all the time, you know, we've been married for a year and a half, and they're like, do you have any kids? I'm like, well, yeah, we do. We have a lot. Uh, they, they might look a little different than us, but we love them just like they're our own, and we do hope one day to, to be able to bring some home with us as well and take care of them firsthand and um, just be praying for the right time and when God's going to open those doors. But Mm -hmm. um, we want every kid that comes in our program to feel like they've been adopted Mm. uh, and to have a family.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and I'm really excited to see what the next 14 years are going to do. (laughs) And just your own, you know, the own maturation of, of your lives and your ministry, you know, and you're just starting, kind of starting out here and But you see the progress that the Lord has brought you through, both of you, over the last 14 years, growing up in yeah. in Mississippi and now with this ministry, and and as the Lord provides in 14 more years, what he's going yeah. to do in your lives. Yeah. It's going to be exciting. We're very excited. Very. <laughs> exactly. Well, if you want to know more about uh, Ellipsis International, you can go to ellipsisinternational.org and learn more about uh, Daniel and Natalie uh, Harrington and what they're doing and you can see pictures of some of the kids and some of the ministries and how you can help and how to contact them and uh, I want to thank you today for joining me. Thank you so much for letting nice us uh, be here. Thank you. you know I was thinking about uh, a scripture to end this off and, and uh, we were talking about um not having a future or not dreaming about a future, which is something that's kind of not, uh, we don't think about here in the U.S. because everybody talks about what you're going to do when you grow up. Yeah. But I was thinking about the scripture out of Jeremiah that says, the Lord says, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for k- evil, to give you a future and a hope. And we want those mm-hmm. for your kids yes. over there in in, in the Philippines. And pray that the Lord will give um, mighty blessings for you in the coming days. That's right. Thank you. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. God bless.
0: You've been listening to this KGNW special, Heart of the City. For more information about how your pastor or ministry can be featured on KGNW, call Chuck Olmstead at 206-269-6216 or go to KGNW.com.